Amen. Yeah. Amen. Hey, before you youth go downstairs, I got to say something about football. I didn't say this in the first service, but it's important. Uh, it really is. And it's not just because it's about the Lions, but it's about the Lions. Uh, it is. Just, just saying, I'm just going to say something to you that's like very applicable to us and for the service today. I've, um, I've had a lion ring that I've worn for a lot of years now. It's not because of the Detroit Lions, but a lot of people will ask me about my ring, and I tell them it's my Jesus ring. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah, and I serve him. And on this hand is my ring that I committed my life to Christ with, and this ring is that I've committed, I'm sorry, my wife to with, and this is Christ, right? So anyway, this last weekend, I don't know if you know this, but the Lions won a playoff game, right? So... I'm telling you because it was a home game, which is like, number one, the Lions winning a playoff game has happened twice in my lifetime. So what happened was because the people of Detroit were so desperate for something and celebrating something so incredibly amazing for them that they broke the decibel record inside the, uh, the Ford's field, for real. Like it was that loud. They said the other team, L.A., uh, they said it was the loudest thing they've ever heard in their life in the place they've ever been. <laughs> it is, for real. I mean, if you look it up, it's, you're going to find that's a fact. And as I was thinking about that, and they were saying, like, because the Lions won, they're coming in there this week, they have greater expectations of that. Now, I don't know what they're going to do today. If they're the Lions, they're going to lose, right? If the, I mean, I know that. I've grown up with them. Like last week, they weren't expected to win. They win. This week, they're expected to win, so they'll be the Lions, right? All right, but beside that fact, I know that it's going to be louder than it's ever been before. And it's like because they're so desperate for a victory. It made a difference. Like they were the same kind of people. The same stadium was sold out all season long. Think about it, right? But they weren't that loud. Why? There was something more to that moment in their life. And here we are. Like, we are here. <laughs> Man, we're right here with God, the creator of the universe, who invited us to come together as his family and worship him. And we're, like, uncomfortable getting loud. Seriously? We should be breaking the decibel record. Like, come on. Have you experienced victory in your life or not? I mean, if I have that victory, that is something way more significant than anything they could ever do on a football field. I mean, we have victory in Christ, and so I don't ever apologize about being loud. I'm talking to our worship team. Don't ever. Don't ever. Look, I hope that you have to stop at the sound booth and get some earplugs because it's that loud in here. And I don't mean just the volume on the speakers. I'm talking about us being loud in our praise to God. Man, it's going to get crazy in heaven, just so you know. So if you think it's a little bit crazy, you have not seen anything yet. It's going to get crazy in heaven. It is, don't you think? Come on. I don't mean like bad crazy. I'm talking about good crazy. All about him. He's amazing. Yeah, you can go. Get out of here. I just wanted you guys to hear that, especially you Broncos fans. Have a good day. All right, anyway. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> Yeah, anyway, sorry, not all you Broncos fans, just the one that was back there. Um, so, <laughs> uh, yeah, anyway, let's not go there. We are, it's not about football at all. It's all about what God has done for us, and he is so incredibly amazing. He is. So, he, um, as we go along here then and step into what God has for us, I want to let you know that we have a baptism celebration coming on February 11th. So, you need to sign up. Go on our website, our app. 
and you can sign up for that and be baptized on that day. Uh, another significant day that we always praise and celebrate while we're doing it. So be a part of that if God's speaking to you about it. Rodeo Sunday's coming up. It's something that is part of the culture of Tucson. It may not be your culture. That's okay. Experience something new and join us on that day, February 18th. We decided many years ago that uh, since this is set aside as part of our history of our city, we've been going on for over 100 years, uh, we should do something about it. So we have a Rodeo Sunday ourselves opening weekend of the rodeo, and we'll have some events afterwards. So we're going to have one service at 10 o'clock, one service at 10 o'clock that day only. And then we're going to have like chili cook-off out there. We'll have a bull riding competition. We'll have a mechanical bull here. We'll have trophies for every class for male and female, and then the age groups in the bull riding competition. Uh, we didn't have one last year. Uh, we could not locate a bull to have here with us. And uh, so we're going to have that this year. And so you've had, like last year, I didn't smack talk you at all about it because we didn't have one. But now that we do, I'm going to just start it now just to build the fire with you that, you know, I'm just going to say right now that I'm going to win. Okay? So like get yourself ready, prepare, watch PBR, whatever you need to do to prepare yourself. But I'm just saying like this is going to be a throwdown moment and it'll be all fun, but I'm just going to say that when we go home, the trophy's going with me. All right? So... I'm serious. Where do you guys, you know, I mean, all right, all right anyway. I love to mess with the young guys because they uh, think they're going to win. And it's, you know, they think, well, that old guy, I'll beat him. And it's like, no, it's not going to happen. All right, just so I'm challenging all of you young men. Step up. You're going down. All right, so <laughs> did you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's do it. All right, so did you spend at least... <laughs> That's all in good-natured fun, you know. I don't really care. I just love to have a, hard, a good time and give people a hard time. So now that we're stepping into this, did you spend at least five minutes a day, five days last week, reading or listening to God's Word? Yes. All right. Did you spend some time alone with Him with no agenda of your own? Yes. See, that's like letting God speak to you and not you just always talking to Him. Do you know what the Holy Spirit's saying to you? Yes. Are you giving as God has asked you to give in your time, your talents, and your resources? Did you share Jesus with someone this week? Invite someone to church with you today? Yes. Beautiful. Let's do it. God is doing something. He is. He's moving. I believe this. As we were preparing in the services and getting ready this morning, talking to the Lord, and being here in his presence in the service, I believe God wants to do something radical in our lives. I do. He's God. He wants to. He desires it. And he's given us a free will to allow him to or not. So right now you have a choice to make. You can listen, or you can shut it off. You can go in another place in your mind and live over there right now, or you can stay right here and listen to what God wants to say to you. I'm challenging you, church, to listen. I do believe that God wants to do something amazing, powerful, and life-transforming if we give him that space. So please do. So as we've been talking about God's call in our lives and our response... When I was young, I thought everybody that was called was either a pastor, evangelist, missionary. Kind of church kind of taught it this way. Like there was callings of God and then there was the people of God. And as I grew up and studied the word and I became a believer and I began to look in the word of God, I realized that God has a call on every life. It's not just someone that's going to lead a church or those kinds of things. God has a call on your life. Every single person that hears my voice, God has a call on your life. And we, we kind of confuse it, and uh, 
Then when we feel like God's asking us to do something, we feel like it's either insignificant or it doesn't matter, someone else can do it, I'm not worthy. We start with our excuses, we always do. And most of the people in the Bible started the same way. They began with excuses. We've been talking about this the last two weeks. Reasons why they're not uh, able to do it, they're either not equipped, they're not good enough, they have problems, they're faults, uh, they're not good enough yet, but they will, they're going to show up, they just don't have time now. We have all that stuff, and we talked about that. However, as we're going along, when we look at the Word of God and we study those lives in Scripture, and then we look at people that maybe we know, and we look at their lives, we realize that God is relentless like Ashley was talking about, like God pursuing us and saying, look, look, I'm calling you, I will do it. And as we see that, what God does is he equips those unworthy, ill-equipped, unable people to do God things. And no human being could do a God thing. No human being could do a God thing. The only way to do a God thing is by God's power, God's strength, God's presence, and God's work. And the only way that can happen is when I make myself available to God. So what we're talking about is that surrender, trust, and obey moment of our lives. So I pray that all of you have started that journey. Everybody here, if you have started the journey, that surrender, trust, and obey moment was when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. So that's the first moment that you experience God's plan for your life. And it requires us saying yes to him and no to me. I've been in charge. I want you in charge. I recognize that you are God and I am not. I accept you as my Lord and Savior, and we begin a journey. As we begin that journey, there will be a lot of surrender, trust, and obey moments because what God is doing is he is maturing us in our faith, transforming us to be like Christ, getting rid of the old self. So the person of Dave that I created by my own choices, God is changing. God is transforming. And he wants the new Dave to look like Christ, not look like the old Dave. The old Dave was not attractive to God. The new Dave, God loves. And he is moving and transforming who I am and making me more like he is himself. So today, we want to look at what it looks like to step into that relationship with God and the journey that it is and what God wants to do in the midst of it. So as we get ready to do this, we're going to step into God's word and see what makes what he makes available for us and what he expects of us in our surrender, trust, and obey life. So I'm going to read some scriptures, and our first response to hearing the scriptures is going to be a little bit resistance. Not that we're resisting God's word. We're going to be uncomfortable with what it says because it's calling us out. It's like, here it is. Now we got to respond. You ready? It's awesome. It's 1 John 5. Ready? We know that God's children do not make a practice of sitting. There should be an amen right there, I'm just saying, right? I, I knew it, we're kind of like, we're stepping back and we're waiting, we want to continue reading because we want to kind of go over that. You catch yourself reading the Bible sometimes where you just kind of go over something? Like, you know, I just want to go to the next thing. I don't really want to dwell there. But you see what? What we just read right here in God's word is that we know. This isn't like we hope, we think. If they, listen to what it says. We know that God's children do not make a practice of sinning. For God's son holds them securely. And the evil one 
cannot touch them. <laughs> yeah, man, there should be a lot of amens right there. Woo, thank you, God. Is that amazing or what? Look at what the Word of God just said to us. Church, this is an amazing gift God has given to us, and we're going to look at it, hear it, and experience the fullness of what he's saying right here. We know that God's children do not make a practice of sinning, for God's Son holds them securely, and the evil one cannot touch them. We know that we are children of God, and that the world around us is under the control of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we can know the true God. And now we live in fellowship with the true God because we live in fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the only true God, and he is eternal life. Dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your hearts. Is that beautiful or what? I mean, like, seriously, when we step back and look, see, there's a lot of knowledge there. Did you hear all those things like we know? We know. We understand. We got it. We get it. We get to live it. Right? Why would we let anything get in the way of that relationship that God has made available to us through Jesus Christ? He's like, man, like, we've got this. So when we look at this and we're going to step into the scripture and apply it in our lives, it's like what is being said to us is by faith in God, not in self, God has dumped something in us that we couldn't do for ourselves. So I'm placing my faith in God, and now that I have my faith in God, I live differently. I make different decisions. I no longer make a practice of sinning. God's word says this. So you see, when we make a practice of sinning, like, what's the deal here? Are we in God's hands or not? If we're in God's hands, then God's kids don't make a practice of sinning. Okay, interesting. So the Holy Spirit has us. So the word of God's telling us that consistent sinning is not something God's kids do. So why is it that so many Christians consistently fall to the same old thing? When I'm God's kid, I live in God's power. I begin to understand what it means to walk with him. I also begin to see things differently because we are given knowledge by God and we know he is God and that he has us. Therefore, I see things that before I did not see. I know things that before I did not know. I experienced things that before I could not experience because now I'm a child of God. And if I'm a child of God, I'm no longer a child of self or sin. I am now held by God himself in his hands securely. And therefore, if I live there, how can I sin in the hands of God? How can I consistently go across the line that God has drawn when I'm securely held by him? He doesn't go there. <laughs> you hear me, church? God doesn't go there. God stays within the boundaries of his godness, and he will not leave that for anyone. And he holds us right here in the boundaries of his godness as his children. And the enemy's out here calling, hey, come over here. That's called temptation. <laughs> okay. So we're all going to face temptation, right? God's word says that Jesus was tempted in every way like we are, yet without sin. So temptation isn't sin. 
So what temptation is, is the voice of the enemy. See, he can't, God's got us. So all the enemy can do is call to us like, hey, <laughs> look what I got. And God's like, I got you. And the enemy's like, come over here, experience this. You haven't seen nothing yet. And God's like, I got you. And so as we face temptation, what it says in the word of God is Jesus defeated that temptation in the flesh. He had to, and he died to the flesh so that you and I could experience freedom from the sin that owned us when we step into relationship with God and he holds us and the Holy Spirit now dwells within us. I mean, it's amazing. So you see what it says right here in the word of God, it says that God's son holds them securely and the evil one cannot touch them. <clears throat> Excuse me. So what I've been saying, and you're going to hear it again, the enemy gets way too much credit. <laughs> All he's doing is yakking at you. Stop listening. <laughs> like, screw you, buddy. You had your day. I'm done with you. Man, I'm here in new life. It's amazing. Why would I listen to that voice over there? I know what it did to me. It's like, man, here it is. God's saying, I got you. So praise God. What we have happening is the voice of the evil one trying to get us to step outside the protective hands of God. Man, because he wants to screw us up. So here's the way I want to give you a visual picture of this. And the visual picture is the shark cage. So, you know, as I look at this, it's like, we're in the hands of God. We're in that shark cage. There we are. And the whole world around us wants to eat us. <laughs> there may be blood in the water. And they may be going all over the place. But listen, church, you see, when we stay in the presence of God, in the hands of our Savior, they can swim around all they want. They can show their teeth all they want. They can bang into the cage. They're not getting in. God says, I've got you securely in my place. So they're calling us out like, hey, come and swim with us. <laughs> like if we begin to visualize this in our own lives, like temptation is the enemy saying, come swim with us. Why in the world would we ever get out of that cage? I mean, how stupid can we be? Well, I mean, I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to like try to be right here. I'll stay close. I'll swim on the outside. Of the, I'll keep a hand on it. Really? Seriously, why would we negotiate that way? The word of God says that he holds us firmly in his hands. He's got cage to protect us. No matter what the enemy does, they're not getting in. He's not going to devour you. We have faith and believe in the power and the presence of the living God. God has provided us this space, this grace and power that we can live right there and never be affected by them. Isn't that awesome? We don't ever have to be affected by them again. See, they're all swimming out there. The Word of God tells us that. The whole world is evil. It's trying to destroy us. Absolutely. But God. But God has us. Therefore, as I look at it, I'm like, okay, bring it on. I can taunt him from the inside. I'm not doing it on the outside. Right? Come on, I am not going to take it on myself and like, hey, God, I got this. I'm going to swim out there for a little while, and I'll be right back. Seriously? Why in the world do we do the dumb things we do, church? Come on. He says we don't make a practice of sinning. We don't like getting in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out. Stay in. 
Stay in, all in. 1 John 5, 19. We know that we are children of God and that the world around us is under the control of the evil one. We know. So we see it. They don't. This isn't like surprising to us, is it? Like as we look at the other things going on around us, it's pretty obvious when we look around that the world is evil and it's driving evil initiative. So while many in the world around us are looking, and church, many church people are looking at it like this, we look at, we think there's this, <clears throat> no, I'm not going to say we think, there's like an evil agenda that's out there that's driving political things, economic things, health things, sexuality things, all the stuff that's being driven out there, I want you to know there's only one root cause, it's sin. That's it. So it's like, let's stop looking at the surface issue and look at the real issue. The real issue is that sin is in the world and evil wants to destroy anything that is holy and godly. So therefore, the great white shark is swimming around trying to devour us. And God's like, I got you. I trust him. I don't care what that shark looks like. I trust God. And I'm going to stay right there because I know this. That shark is more powerful than me. It's faster than me. It will kill me. Church, are you listening? Therefore, why in the world do we mess around and play in the world self and what I think I can do? God has called us to stay firmly committed in his hands resisting temptation. You know, the word of God tells us in 1 Corinthians that with every temptation, God makes a way of escape. Everyone. Therefore, God's saying like, here you go. I got you. Nothing's coming in that you can't have victory over through me. Right? That's what he just told us. You're in my hands. The evil one does not control you. He does not free access. He's allowed specific access only because God knows we've got it with him. And he'll see us through. Therefore, I'm staying with God. I'm not going to do it on my own. So here's the deal. Don't go out swimming with the sharks this week. All right? <laughs> you may survive for a little while. And you may get cocky and think you got it. You don't. Sooner or later, you get a bit. And once the biting starts, it doesn't end. And it's going to be brutal and painful. Why in the world would we ever think that we could go outside of that presence of God and be okay? You won't. So, we know what's happening in the world by what verse 20 tells us. And this is what it says. We know Jesus, and he's given us understanding so that we can know the true God. So God has given us knowledge. I look around, and I'm like, there's an evil agenda behind that. It's sin. There's an evil agenda behind that. It's sin. There's evil agenda behind that. It's sin. So I'm not looking at the individuals or the stuff they're promoting, I'm looking behind it and I know who's there. So therefore, I don't fall to that agenda because I know where it comes from. Because I've been given understanding by God. I have wisdom and understanding that the world doesn't have that you can't have any other way than having a relationship with God. So we're not being deceived by the lies of culture and falling for new truth or higher understanding or more clarity about the way we live, the way we see things. We don't see things from the world's perspective. Because we're children of God, we're given a new perspective, and we see things from God's perspective. So we see evil as evil. We see wrong as wrong. We see sin as sin. And the world can't handle that. They don't understand it because, see, they don't have the knowledge that children of God have. 
And so the children of God need to begin to understand and stay in the truth of God and the understanding of God's truth, and we need to know that we need to live it. Church, we have this relationship that's been made available. That's why I was talking about earlier, man. It's like we should get a whole lot more crazy loud in our worship of God when we fully put in perspective that I have the relationship with the creator of the universe, that he loves me. And now that I see things differently, we now live differently than the world. We have fellowship with the true God because of what Jesus has made possible for us. And therefore, see church, when we don't live differently than the world, then do we have a relationship with him and are we his kids? That's the question, right? Like, the problem is the church sees, the world sees the church and they don't see a lot of difference in our lives. We go to the same place as they do. We talk the same language they do. We watch the same stuff as they do. We experience and go places and, and do all these things that they do. And so what is the difference except that you go to church on Sunday? Right. No, we're supposed to live differently. Right. Yeah. The Word of God says so. And so when we're living as children of God, we're living as children of light. The world is dark. And therefore, if we live as children of light, then the light that is in us is going to be seen by the darkness. Therefore, they will see that we are not like them, nor should we be. Nor should we accept the way they live. Hear me right now. Don't get all like, we don't want to get a little offensive. We're going to get offensive by living the truth. So like we don't have to embrace everything everybody's doing to love them. We need to love them where they are, but live a different life. The life God's called us to live as true children of God. All right, so our old sinful self no longer runs the show. God does. You used to run your own show. You entertained your own self and nobody else, just so you know. Nobody was impressed. All right? Now we're stepping into this arena where there's only one to impress, and that's God. And the only way I impress to him is let him be God. That's what impresses him. He's not looking for a show. He's never impressed by the show. Listen to what it says in Galatians 2.20. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Do you see the transformational change that has to happen as a child of God? The old self and the new self, the new self is Christ in me. The old self was Dave, and Dave didn't know how to live. Dave was forming this person by the opinion of himself, by the opinion of others, by the opinion of the results of choices that he would make. That's the life the old self lived, and that life made me miserable, and I didn't like it. Were there fun moments? I would say in my flesh, yes. Were they true? No, absolutely not. Now that I live in the, 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 the life of Christ, now the old self has died. When I said yes to Jesus, that was my first surrender, trust, obey moment. I said, you're God, I'm not. This is the moment of my death. That's why we do baptism after we receive Christ. Because it shows the resurrection of God in our lives and that the old life has been buried and a new life is coming, Right? That's why we do that. That's why God set it up that way, because baptism is a symbol of the old life being dead and a new life starting. Pretty awesome. God's good, isn't he? So now here we are. We're living in this new life. 
Now what he tells us is this is how we have fellowship with him. This is how we live as children of God. This is how we stay out of the grip of sin. This is how we do not make a practice of sin. We die to self and live in Christ. All right, so what we do is we reject the call of sin and we remain in fellowship with God as the Holy Spirit convicts us to stay true to the new self that has been resurrected by the power of God. So let's get a glimpse of this for a moment. We're maturing in our faith. So some are babies, some are toddlers, some are teens, some are young adults, adults, and senior adults. We're all saved. We're all holy, but we're maturing at a rate of God's work in our life as we let go and see what God is saying. So as a child, we don't see things clearly. We don't understand everything. We don't have to. Thank God. It's great to be that innocent, uh, somewhat ignorant life that we're living. But see, God calls us to maturity in Christ. And so as God is teaching us things, I realize that there's parts of me that are still alive in me that need to die. I received Christ as my Savior, but I also see that there's still self living, trying to control me. I have to let that part of me die. That surrender, trust, and obey moment that God calls me to is when I surrender that peace that the Holy Spirit's talking to me about, and I step into a different level of maturity with God, and I have a better understanding with God, like the Word of God just told us, and now I begin to see things differently. Some of you that are older know what I'm talking about as we've lived our life. We see things different. We understand things different. We begin to see the world with a different lens, in a good way, and it needs to be. And so as we're walking with God in our maturity and becoming more Christ-like, we should be seeing this world around us differently, our choices differently, and how we live differently, right? That's why we say, like, we shouldn't be the same people ever. When we talk about this in, in, the, in the church, when we say, hey, CFF, this is our church motto of who we are. We're not a perfect church. We're not a perfect people. We're here because we know we need God's help, and he's provided that help through Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see, as we continue in that journey then of understanding that, we look around at the people here and you automatically see something and you make an opinion about them and it's easy at church. We may see somebody and have zero clue about them, but we also think we know them. And so when we have one standard that we hold everyone to, now hear me right when I say this, like I see you, if you're a Christian, you're going to be like this. And someone's not the way we perceive a Christian to be, then we say they're not a Christian. But you have no idea how saved they are because you don't know what they were, right? So like when they said yes to Jesus, you have no idea what pit they were in. You may be seeing the new transformed version, but that version may look way down there in your opinion of what is a Christian and how they look. Your opinion doesn't matter. Your view doesn't matter. God's view matters. And when we say yes to God, God is in the midst of us, transforming us, holding us, and teaching us. And we are learning to grow in that faith and stay with him. So therefore, don't like put your ideas on anybody here or anybody out there. Let God be God, right? Let's just see what he's doing in our life. So as a child of God, 
We don't make a practice of sinning because we reject the call of sin and remain in fellowship with God as the Holy Spirit convicts us. Stay true to the new self that has been resurrected by the power of God. The death of the old self must happen, and it is the key to living in this fellowship with God. It's the key. No longer me. Yes to God. Romans 8. Beautiful chapter. You should read it. Verse number 5. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting the sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Church, I am so grateful that that scripture states to us, it's not that the one leads to just to death and that one leads to life, but it says life and peace. Yeah. So like when we're walking on that journey and saying yes to God's way and not my way, I have peace inside of me here and here that I never had over there. Oh, thank you, God. You're so amazing. Let's keep reading. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's law and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. Done deal. Who owns you? Church, who owns you? Is it God? Okay. So it's either the evil one or God. There's no neutral ground. Like, I, I was always wanting to be in the neutral ground. Like, oh, no, I, I don't serve Satan. Yeah, if you don't serve God, you're serving Satan. I'm like, well, no, I would never say that. You don't have to say it. God said it. You're either his or you're not. And if you're not, then you're part of the evil one. You're part of sin. And that's where you are and who you are. Period. And that old person needs to die so that you can experience the life of Christ. Amen. Who controls your thoughts? The evil one or God? All right, right here is where it gets all like kind of sticky for us. We're like, wait a minute, man. I mean, I have all this stuff. Okay, so we go back to the temptation thing. Let's talk about that for a minute. See, remember, God says he has us securely held. So what's happening? The enemy is over here saying, come over here great. Come on, just go outside the cage a little bit. You know, there's the line. God's grace, mercy, and love is holding us. And so temptation is kind of coming at us. Just a little swim. It's safe over here. Look, there's nobody even around. You can just come out and experience what it feels like to swim in this water. It's safe over here. So the enemy's calling us, right? He's always trying to get us to come to his place. So there's these bombardments into our mind of thoughts called temptation. So now it's like, who makes the choice? Are we going to let evil make the choice or God make the choice? See, sin is where I hear the call. I grab the call. I acknowledge the call. And I act on the call. That's what temptation is, right? It's me stepping out of the cage over into whatever I've been invited to by the world, by the evil one. So it's like, oh, so the things that are going on are not sin themselves. They're temptations to cause us to sin. 
we can reject the voice and stay in the confines of God's grace. It doesn't make us unholy to be tempted. It means we're human and we live in a sinful world because Jesus was tempted like us. So the bombardment comes. So let's go back to our illustration of thinking about ourselves maturing in Christ, becoming more Christ-like in our new life. When I'm young, different things are happening, right? There's temptations, there's stuff that's going on. I'm trying to discern and, and know what this new life is. Now, I, I'm not going to contemplate the fullness of Christ as a little baby. I get it. So does God. But what we're learning right now is how to discern what that voice is. Who is speaking to me? See, children of God are not controlled by their sinful nature. That nature has been put to death in Christ. So, here I am. Is the voice that I'm hearing inviting me into something that will cross a known line in my life? If it is, identify that voice. That's the evil one. I'm not going there. Not going to stop him from talking, but it's going to help us not to respond to the voice. And as we respond to God's voice saying, stay with me. Don't go there. I have an escape for you. Trust me. So in that moment, see, and I see the difference and I begin to discern that. That is a maturity in Christ and I'm beginning to understand God because he's given me knowledge, he says, to see this and to understand it. Now that I know and I say yes to God and no to the temptation, God's like, way to go, man. That's not self, that's God. And he takes us into a new level of understanding, maturity, growth in God, more Christ-like. Because you see, self was dead Christ was alive. The Spirit revealed, and I obeyed. That's how we mature and become more like Christ as we walk along on this journey. See, this is what Jesus died for. Jesus came in the flesh to kill the control that sin had on me and you. He wanted to give us the opportunity to not allow sin, self, to control us, but give us the opportunity to have a relationship with God free from that control in our lives. We back up in Romans 8, and we read that first part of that chapter. This is what it says. So now there is no condemnation to those who belong to Christ Jesus. No condemnation. Stop letting the voice of condemnation control you. There is no condemnation to those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Church, we've been set free from that old life. Why would we go back to that? The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. Isn't that awesome? I mean, man, oh, God's, that's why I love Romans 8. He's like, dude, you can try and live the law all you want to. All that's going to show you is how messed up, jacked up, and sinful you are. And the law can't save you. The only thing that can change you and save you is Jesus Christ. And it's the way to new life. It's the only way there is. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the body we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to what? Sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. Church, man, yeah, right? It might get loud right there. 
Woo! Praise God. Hallelujah, man. Look, he's like, look, I am declaring this. It's not your declaration. God has declared an end to sin's control over us. It doesn't own you. Why would we surrender to it when God says, I now control that, and you don't have to any longer? Wow. All right, God, help us. So you're controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit living in you, right? That's what God's Word just said. So church, are you saved? Are you? Is the Holy Spirit in you? Well, now the Word of God has made a declaration. God's broken that curse that held me. He's allowed me to now have new life in Christ. The Holy Spirit's in me, and now I've got to discern the voice of God in my life. So I'm questioning and saying, Lord, as I'm beginning this journey, how do I discern your voice? Because I hear a lot of voices. So, like, I want to encourage you all, like, everybody hears a lot of voices. Like, the world says people are crazy when they hear voices. I want you to know you're not crazy to hear voices. I'm not. I mean that, like, sincerely I want you to know that. Because the enemy never stops yakking. And the Holy Spirit is calling. And so there's these voices inside of us that are speaking to us. And then there's the voice of Dave that's in the midst. So now in the midst of all these chaotic voices bombarding me, I'm trying to discern what is the voice of the Spirit, what is the voice of the evil one. Is Dave trying to get his own ideas in there? God, what is it that you want from me? And now I'm getting all this jumbled stuff in my head. So here's the thing. I just want to give you some simple tools to help us discern this and know. When we have this idea going on inside of us and we're trying to make a choice or make a decision or discern something, what will the end result be of the choice at the end of it? What will the end result be if I act on this voice? Will it bring glory and honor to God? Will it draw me closer to God? Uh, is God asking me to simply be obedient to him and step into this new arena with him? What will it do? What will its effect be on the people around me? Is this God's voice? See, when it's God's voice and the Holy Spirit, this is just question one. This is not the only answer. Just hear me. When it's God's voice, it will always be affirmed. It will always bring about glory to him, no matter what it is. The next question I ask myself is, how does it fit with what I already know God said to me? So a lot of people are like, I don't know that I've ever heard God. If you're a Christian, you've heard God. <laughs> you are not saved if you didn't hear from God because you didn't save yourself. God saved you, and he called you into this relationship with him. So you do have the ability to hear God's voice. So what do you know that God has already said to you? Do the words that you are now hearing fit with what God has already said? Oh, why? Because God doesn't like bring about confusion. God is the answer to that. So it's like, hey, there it is. So has there been a witness to this from two to three other sources? If there's not a witness by two or three other sources, it's not God. I don't care what it is. Because the word of God says, by the mouth of two or three witnesses, a truth is known. 
So this is what I'm saying. As we're discerning what God is saying to us, what God is calling us into, what he's speaking to us, if God does not affirm that by two or three witnesses, then just get rid of it. It's not God. Dismiss it. Let it go. The last question that I will say is, does it align with Scripture? See, if it doesn't align with Scripture, then that is not the voice of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit will never contradict Scripture. He's the author of it. Therefore, it will not contradict Scripture. So anything that you hear, if it's saying anything that contradicts the Word of God, identify that voice and dismiss that voice. That's the evil one. Amen? Yeah, that's the way it works. It's pretty awesome. All right, Galatians 6. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. All right, so look, God teaches us something here. He's like, something's going to come from your plans, choices, and actions. Something will result from it. It's up to you what comes out of that. It's either going to be honoring to God and glorifying to God and bring you life and health, or it's going to screw you up forever. Right? I mean, that's what it said right there. He's like, it's going to happen, and it's going to come out. The choices you make will have results. What are you doing? So, now a moment of reflection. I can sit here today, let's all of us, just in your own life, I'm saying, let's, what do you see today as a result of your previous life choices? Yeah, I mean, just think about it, you know, like, there were choices you made before Jesus, follow those things out, now begin to look at the choices you've made since you followed Jesus. Now, since you started following Jesus, you've also made good and bad choices, Right? But the difference is when you're walking with Jesus, as soon as you make the wrong choice, you are very well aware that you made the wrong choice and you need to repent and get back on the right line right there, right? So that's how we grow in our faith right there. But now when I look back at my old choices of Dave making the choices and I'm like, oh man, yeah, easy to see, right? So God's word says that you're going to harvest what you plant. So I want everybody to understand, God wants everybody to understand, doesn't matter what I want, that, you know, when I was living for Dave and self and all that stuff, that I could have done things that are still going to bring forth something in my life. Now, I'm not talking about sin, I'm saying, but the choices I made have consequences that still can impact me over here. That's why it's incredibly important that we surrender now. If I was a drug addict and I was, like, doing stuff... And it, was, and it messed me up physically. I get saved. God's redeeming. He could heal me, but there also could be consequences to those decisions I made back there that affect my life today. Right? You know what I'm saying? That's what I'm talking about. Because we're going to reap what we plant. That's why as we sit here today, we can look back and see some of those choices and like there's consequences for some of those things. And it's not just consequences in my life, but I've also impacted other people's lives. Therefore, I need to make sure that the choices that I'm making are directed by God. They're God choices, and that I follow through, that it's the Holy Spirit that's making that choice for me, and he's informing me on how I live my life. 
This Christian life is not just a, a wing it and hope you do it right. It's not a show up on Sunday and everything's going to be fine. It's a daily walk with God. It's a discerning of the Spirit of God. It's a walking in truth with Him. It's staying within the cage, the protection of God in an evil world that wants to destroy you. So let's learn from the experiences that we've had, both the wrong and the right choices. Let's learn from that and grow in that, understand what I need to do in my surrender to God. So in, in Psalm 18, there's this beautiful statement that says something to us here that as the psalmist is writing this, it's like, uh, it's a way for us to see like uh, the response of God to our actions and choices, right? So listen, it's beautiful. This is what it says. To the faithful, you show yourself faithful. To those with integrity, you show integrity. To the pure, you show yourself pure. But to the crooked, you show yourself shrewd. You rescue the humble, but you humiliate the proud. You light a lamp for me. The Lord my God lights up my darkness. In your strength, I can crush an army. With my God, I can scale any wall. God's way is perfect. All the Lord's promises prove true. He is a shield for all who look to him for protection. For who is God except the Lord? Who but our God is a solid rock? Isn't that awesome? I was like, man, is God awesome or what? Yeah, man, respond to him and he'll respond to you. Stay in his hands and he'll protect you. Swim outside of the cage and you're in trouble. Obedience to the Spirit. Know the Spirit. See, this is evidence in the Scripture of God's responding to our actions and choices right there in the psalm. There's a lot of places. It was just, it's just a cool way to look at it. See, God is responding to us. That's humbling in itself. See, it's up to us to follow His ways or our own ways. It's up to us to live this life. Now, don't, don't misunderstand me when I say that it's like all on my strength. Not at all. It's up to us to stay in the power of the Holy Spirit to live this life. I can't do it. But when I choose to stay with him, the power of the Spirit has the opportunity to live in me and live through me. And that's what gives me victory in my life right there. The power of the living God in me because, see, self couldn't do it. Only Christ can do it. And now self is dead and Christ is alive. Now I have abilities that are not human or Dave's or anything like that. They're God abilities because God lives in me. Man, it's so cool what he's done for us. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Well, there were a lot of questions asked throughout the message. What is the Holy Spirit speaking to you as a result of that? What is he saying? I mean, listen. Remember when I asked the, action uh, the accountability questions at the very beginning? Every week in both services, when we get to that question where it says, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? It's always where the voices begin to quiet down. Not that, I don't mean just in the loudness of your voice. Um, do you know what the Holy Spirit is saying to you is the question. And we're asking and saying yes, but it's, there's less yeses there than any of the other previous questions. And so it's like, why is it, Lord, that we're here, we're your children, that we're struggling to hear your voice like that? What is he saying to us right now? It, it requires a quietness in me. It requires me thinking through those questions like, 
Where am I going with this? What will this end up like? God, have you affirmed this truth already in me? Have you already said this to me? Am I needing to respond to you in this arena? You know what I mean? Like, it's time, church, right now. It's time. It's time for you. And it's time for me to respond to what the Holy Spirit is saying here and now. Have you confessed your sins and accepted Christ as your Savior? If you haven't done that yet, that's where it all begins. Your life is a mess because it's you leading it if you don't know him. And it's time for you to let him be God. And if he is your Savior, it's time for you to begin to mature and grow in that. Beginning to stay within the confines of the power and the grace of God. Hearing and discerning the Holy Spirit and becoming more and more like Christ every day. Is there anything you need to settle before you leave today? Now, I'm going to share with you that, you know, as a preacher's kid, I grew up in the church and I absolutely knew God was real, and I knew the Bible was real, and I knew Jesus died for me. I mean, I knew that. I knew that inside of me. The Spirit of God had spoken that truth to me. And um, I had to make a decision if I was going to do that or not. And I told you I was shy and introverted and all that stuff, and so I would sit back there in church, and the Spirit of God, I'm talking about as a kid, <laughs> And he would say, Dave. And I would tell him later, I will, God, when I get home. I don't want to walk up there. I don't want anybody to see me. But I'll, I'll do that when I get home alone. Church, I want you to know I never did. I didn't go home and do anything. See, it was the Spirit was calling, and I didn't respond. And what I ended up doing is telling him no. And as that continued for a little while, it's really uncomfortable to live in that place where you know God's calling and you're saying no and you're not doing it. So pretty soon you just shut that voice off altogether like, mm -mm, I'm not listening. I won't hear that. And you get hard like I did. <laughs> I want to encourage you today, man. If the Spirit of God is talking to you, respond. Don't care what anybody else thinks. It doesn't matter what they think. What matters is what God knows and what you know and what needs to be made right. So if you would stand with us today, whatever it is that God's talking to you about, please respond. We invite you to the altar because it's super important for us to respond to God. It's like, Lord, here I am. It's presenting ourselves. It's a surrender, trust, and obey moment. It's like, here I am, God, right? Doesn't matter what anybody else does. If there's one person here and it's you, that's all that matters. But, I do know the faithfulness of God. That's more than one that he's talking to. I know that. And so he's calling. He's calling. Are you listening? <laughs> Don't go home without responding to him. Holy Spirit, have your way. Have your way, God. You rebuke the unclean spirit, the lying spirit, and the deceiver. In the name of Jesus, only you, Holy Spirit, only you. <laughs> Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Lord.
church, I just want you to know that I'm, uh, I'm not really going to do a benediction-type prayer or say amen. And if your heart's good and you're ready and you're ready to step out there, stay in the cage. <laughs> As you go out there, the sharks are swimming. They're ready. Stay in the cage. Stay right there with God. But as you go out there, it's going with you. He'll protect you. Let's go be his church, eh? God bless you. Thanks for being here today. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. You're so good, man. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you.